0: Is real. power in your name. We trust in we Jesus is
1: real. I think there's some of us here right now. You're playing with fire. You gotta stop that. Because God loves you. And God wants to show mercy and bring blessing but in some ways we have a part to play in that by saying Lord I'm going to honor you I'm going to follow you I'm going to let my life be in such a way that you can bless it
0: you can do all that you want to do and through my life when you look at your own life are you living in a way that honors God Pastor Daniel is going to show you today that the way you live and how you honor or dishonor God will affect your present and your future. You've been handed a broken heritage from your parents, but you don't have to stay stuck in it. Jesus has the power to break you free. But like Pastor Daniel says, you have a choice to make. Will you choose to honor God today? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Big Ten.
1: now first thing visiting the iniquity on the third and fourth generation people like to call this generational curses the idea is that God holds each person responsible for their own actions right but We all know, and if you've ever read the sociological or the psychological research, the research on the sins of your parents becoming the sins of the children are very, very high. Like the percentages, if you had a parent who was an alcoholic, you becoming an alcoholic, much higher percentage. If your parents were abusive, you becoming abusive, much higher percentage. Not because I wanted to, because the Bible says, that's just what the research tells you, because what, there's the power of socialization that happens in someone's life. And so we get used to whatever we're used to, and that feels normalized. And in some ways, the iniquity of the parents being pushed down to the children, the parents socialize the children, and then unless something changes, what the parents get Gave you moves forward. Now, in Christ, you all have to know that generational curses do not exist because Jesus nips those things in the bud. Just because your parents were whatever your parents were, doesn't mean you have to be that. And Jesus gives you the power to not be that, and also to see the fact to see the fact that what you received from your parents was not in accordance with God's best and God's perfect plan, and they were broken and flawed, just as you are broken and flawed, but you're not going to make the same mistakes. I remember when I was a young pastor, I was an assistant pastor, and one of the elders at the church that I was at, this great man, Mike and Kathy, I just loved them. Mike was a fire chief in San Francisco. His wife, Kathy, and they were both all Irish, and they were both came from generations of alcoholics. And sure enough, they got married, they didn't know the Lord, and they were both raging alcoholics. It was what they had known, their entire family. And then they got radically saved, right? And I'll never forget it because they said, they said, Daniel, they said, we were just drop-down dead drunks, and our parents were, and our grandparents were, and every aunt and uncle we had, every time there was a party, everybody was just hammered. And she's like, and we were living the generational curse until Jesus entered our lives. And it's beautiful because now they had four kids. They're four kids. None of them are drinkers or have drinking problems. And that whole thing just stops because Jesus intervened. And I think that's the key because you can't change the family of origin that you had. You can't change the stuff that you saw, but Jesus can take what you saw and he can forgive your past, but he'll lead you into a new future. So if you're here today, or you're listening online, or you're hearing this on the radio, and you're thinking, well, my parents and my parents, and I'm walking down the same road, you don't have to walk down that road. Allow Jesus to lead you through the narrow gate, down the difficult way that few find, but it leads to life. But you have to say, Lord, I want to love you, and I want to honor you, and I want to walk with you, and I'm going to go against the grain of what comes naturally, so this does not have to be your testimony. Whatever the sins of the parent, your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents or aunts and uncles are does not have to be your testimony. But you get to choose that. And you choose that by either loving God and seeking to honor Him or choosing to reject God because of whatever the garbage you received. And for all of us, no matter how great your parents were, and some of you were blessed with some pretty awesome parents, they were still broken and fallen and not perfect and at best forgiven by Jesus, and so all of us, in some ways, came from a dysfunctional family. But the beauty is is the grace of God helps us forgive the dysfunction in our families. We live in a culture that just wants to blame our dysfunction on our parents and on our families and play the victim for the rest of our lives, and that's not the life that Jesus called us to. Does this make sense? So the idea is you don't have to experience the curses of the iniquity of your family, but you might be choosing it right now. And I've been a pastor long enough and in a congregation the size of Crossroads, I would be naive to think that everybody is choosing to honor God, follow his commandments, respond to Jesus in obedience. And for some of you right now, you're playing with fire right now. You gotta stop. I mean, I remember my dad used to say, Daniel, if you play with fire, you're gonna get burned. But you know, you hear that stuff and you're like, but you still play with fire and you think you're the one person who's not gonna get burned by it. But then you wise up after a while because you get burned enough times, you get enough stabs. And you're like, I gotta stop this. And I think there's some of us here right now, you're playing with fire, you gotta stop that. Because God loves you and God wants to show mercy and bring blessing. But in some ways, we have a part to play in that by saying, Lord, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to let my life be in such a way that you can bless it. That you can do all that you want to do in and through my life. And I'm here to tell you, I'm with you on that journey. Every day, waking up saying, God, let my life be the type of life that you can bless. I want my life to be the place where you can bestow all that you want to bestow in the spirit and that I can experience that and my family can experience it. And Lord, get me out of the way because if I'm in the way, I'm going to miss out on all that you want to do. And my family's going to miss out on all that you want to do. God desires to bust. But you notice, for those who hate him, they get the fruit of that decision. And for those who love him and keep his commandment, they get the fruit of that decision. And in the Bible, we call that the principle of sowing and weeping, or reaping. You can weed it, sowing and weeping in certain situations, you know, in, in Galatians chapter five, that whatever you sow, whatever, it's 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 the language of agriculture. It's the language of gardening. Whatever type of seed you put in, that's what you're gonna get out, right? So if you're like, if you sow a tomato seed, you're gonna get a tomato plant, right? If you put an apple seed in, you're gonna get an apple plant. And if you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you're gonna reap destruction, But if you sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. That's what the Spirit of God tells us through the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, right? And so for each one of us, whatever you put in, that's what you're going to get out. And so if you put in rebellion and hatred against God, then you're going to receive the iniquity that comes with that decision. Or if you sow, I'm going to love God and I'm going to seek in loving and responding to God to keep what is in front of me, what the Bible tells me my life should be, then of that you're going to reap the mercy and the blessings that God wants. But we get to choose what we sow or reap. And God honors that decision. And that's part of us being created in the image and likeness of God. God lets you make a decision for your own life. I don't know how many times as a pastor, I'll talk to somebody and I'll say, listen, I would love to make this decision for you, but it's your life. God has given you the decision-making power for your own life. And I would love to make your decision. You have to make your decision for you. And I can encourage you. And I'm like, I believe this is God's will because his word says this, this, and this. And so I want to encourage you to make that decision. But I realize that each one of us, God has given us the stewardship of our own lives. And he holds us accountable and responsible for that stewardship. So my friend, how are you doing with that? You realize your life is not your own. It's your decision, but really your life, you were bought at a price. That's what the Bible says. So your life is on loan and you're gonna have to give an accounting for that life. And when you start thinking about that, that my life is not my own, the gifts and talents and passions that I have are not self-generated, but they're actually given by God. And that I have to give an account for this. Doesn't it change the way you look at your life? Because it's not like, well, I just kind of felt like doing that, so I'm going to do it. You mean you do some of that, but then you're like, wait a second, I'm going to give an account for this life. So if I just feel like doing that and I do that, when I have to give an account for this life, how's that going to look? And you start thinking to yourself, you know what? On that day when I have to give an account for my life, I actually don't want to have to cop to having haven't done that. You know what I mean? I actually don't want to have to say like, yeah, Lord, I really, that was how I spent my time. That's right. And you start thinking, you're like, well, I don't have to do that. So then you make a different set of decisions so you don't have to do that. And in some ways, that's how God transforms our lives by the Holy Spirit. Because you start saying, I don't want to have to give an account for that. If my life is God's life and the breath in my lungs is God's breath in my lungs and the beating of my heart is because God keeps my heart beating, I don't want to waste a moment. There's so much stuff, great stuff to do. I could do all this junky stuff and it's kind of fun, but I know it's junky. And on the day of judgment, When I have to give an account for my life, I'm like, yeah, Lord, I spent a lot of my time doing a lot of junky stuff that meant nothing. But I did know every episode of my favorite TV show that I watched on Netflix reruns until four in the morning every day. You know what I mean? And like, I know I'm hitting everyone's buttons right now because everyone's like, I know how that goes. You know, they put the new thing on Netflix. Before you know it, you've watched nine seasons in three days. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's how it goes. But, like, on that day, it's like, man, those four days, man, you could have changed the world. You could have cured cancer. You could have fed a bunch of people. You could have created something that could change the world. But you watched nine seasons of Law and Order, this unit, whatever unit it is. Criminal is criminal. You guys know I like my criminal minds. It's true. It's true. I do like it. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Moving on. The third commandment, look at what it says, verse 11. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So the third commandment is not to take the Lord's name in in vain. Now, this is a prohibition against the careless use of the name of God. Now, we need to talk about this, because when people think taking God's name is in vain, everybody always puts it down to the name of God. Like, so, you ever heard someone be like, they take out a hammer, they go to hammer and nail, they hammer their thumb, and they say, Jesus Christ! Right, you ever, you guys never did that, right? And so everybody thinks that's taking God's name in vain. And I'm here to tell you that is a part of it but we have a tendency to want to overliteralize this. So much so that if you were to meet somebody who is Orthodox or Hasidic Jewish, and you've ever read the writings of the rabbis, they will never actually say God's name, instead they will say Hashem, which is Hebrew for the name. So every time God's name comes up in the scriptures, instead of saying, god or lord they would say hashem which is the name because god's name is holy and you shouldn't take it in vain now i'm here to tell you taking god's name in vain is much more than just words how do i know that because if you read your bible and i've said this across many many times and pastor bill richie said it many many times before i got here the name always equals the nature Right? The name of somebody denotes their entire nature. I'll always give the same example. So if you've heard it a million times, just forgive me. It's a great example. So you think of my name, Daniel Fusco, right? So if someone says Daniel Fusco, which is my name, you don't think, oh yeah, D A N I E L F U S C O, and bingo was his name, right? <laughs> like you don't go through the letters of the name, you think of me. You think of short, kind of funny looking, weird hair brilliant and you know whatever whatever you think you know what I mean I'm like I just hope you have warm and fuzzy thoughts you don't have like a gag reflex when you think about my name that's like it's the little things that I'm looking for in this life so when you think of my name you don't think of the letters in the name or it's Daniel Fusco I wonder what his middle name is no you think about the entire nature so the idea is is taking God's name in vain it's like are we living in such a way that takes the nature of God in vain so I would say that taking God's name in vain, it does include using God's name in a way that you shouldn't, whether as a swear word or taking a rash oath in the name of God. I swear to God, if you get me out of this, I'm going to become a nun or something like that, right? It, it, it includes that. But I actually believe that taking God's name in vain actually includes being a Christian, but your life looking nothing like a Christian. Because what you're doing is you're taking God's name upon your life, but you're living in such a way as God's name, God's nature has no impact on your life. You're saying, he is my God, when your life says, no, he's not. And so I believe taking God's name in vain, it's about using the name of God in a way that is antithetical to the plans and purposes of God. And when you start putting it that way, you might never use God's name as an expletive, But there are areas of our lives that don't declare the glory of God. And that, my friends, is taking God's name in vain. Because you're saying the nature of God, you think of something like that as in vain. When we think of vain, we always think of somebody looking in the mirror being like, ooh, I'm so great looking, and man, I'm just getting better with age, or you know, whatever the thought is. Somebody who loves to stare at themselves in the mirror. But the idea of vanity, it literally means the idea of nothingness. It's you're taking the name of God as if it's nothing. As if God is not real. God is a figment, a myth. And for many of us, we can say, I believe in Jesus, but still live our lives as if God isn't real. That's why you notice here at Crossroads, we talk about things like Jesus is real, right? It's so not like a cool thing, but it's such a cool thing because it's like, Jesus is like really real. He's a really real person. And we don't ever want to live like Jesus isn't real because he is real. And he is really alive, and he really came, and he really lived, he really died, he really rose again. He's really alive right now, and by his spirit, he lives in our hearts, and he's always there. And so we want to simply respond to Jesus all the time because he's really real. It's another way of saying we don't want to take God's name in vain by using the name of God for some reasons and then spending time living in another way. You know, it's interesting. I was just sharing this with our pastoral staff, that, you know, the four weeks before Christmas, in the traditional church calendar, they call it the season of Advent, Right? And so it's the time leading up to the birth of Jesus, where the church, it would be almost like a heart posture of preparation for the birth of Jesus. you know. And so each year in Advent, I kind of just change up my devotions, because I just do that all the time. I was trying to change up my devotions. So I decided this year that I was going to meditate on the red letters, the sayings of Jesus in Mark's gospel. That's what I wanted to meditate on for the month of December just the red letters in Mark's gospel, because normally I just read through books, and, you know, and it's fun. So I'm not looking at all the context, even though I read the Bible a long time, I know what the context is of all these things. I just soak in these things that Jesus said. And the very first statement that Jesus makes in Mark's gospel, and it's also fun because he gives you a chance to memorize some of the things that Jesus said as you go. He says, you know, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And what's funny is that when you take a phrase like that, right? And you just kind of soak in it in your devotional time. You allow it. I say, I have to soak in it so it soaks in me. You know what I mean? Spend time in there and chew on it and think about it. And as I've been soaking it, the last line of it really grabbed me initially. This idea of repent and believe the gospel, believe the good news. And I started thinking about the idea of repentance means to turn and we're turning from unbelief to believing the gospel, Right? So, and I'm like, okay, so I have repented and I put my faith and trust in Jesus, but then it became the next layer. So it's not about me saying yes to Jesus. It's in what areas of my life do I live that my life is not reflecting a heart belief in the finished work of Jesus? So it's not about saying yes to Jesus. It's about saying yes to Jesus in my finances or as a parent or as a brother in law or as a brother, or as a friend, or as in this area of my life, or as fears of the future, or this thing. And what's, what I started to realize is that there's a huge deep well in my own heart. I love Jesus and I believe in him, but I do need to repent and embrace the gospel in all these areas of my life. And what I realize is, is that that's also working on not taking God's name in vain. Because in the areas of your life where you believe in Jesus, but in this one area, you're not living out the reality of the finished work of Jesus, you're not maliciously taking God's name in vain, but you are choosing to pretend like the gospel is nothing. And it's been said that unbelief is functional atheism, right? When we lack faith, we're actually acting like someone who doesn't believe in God, even though God is really real. So you realize this idea of don't take God's name in vain. This is like a deep Opportunity for us to say, in what areas of my life do I live as if the nature of God isn't the nature of God? In what areas do I lack love? In what areas am I judgmental? In what areas do I have outright sin and rebellion? Where do I struggle to be kind? You know, you go through, just take the fruit of the Spirit. In, in Galatians chapter five and look at it and say, where am I not loving and where am I not joyful? Where am I not a peacemaker? Where am I not full of goodness and kindness and gentleness and patience? Ooh, think about that when you're waiting online in the supermarket, you know? It's like self-control. You go through the whole list. Where am I not faithful? In all those areas, in a sense, you are breaking the third commandment because you're living, you're taking God's name in vain in that area of your life. Now, I did, praise God, make it through two commandments tonight. Doing better than the last time, praise God. Yeah, amen. (laughs) Woo! We're flying through the Bible. It's amazing. You hear all this and you think to yourself, man, coming to church is rough, man. I just feel like a total mess you realize that that's why we believe in Jesus, my friends. See, Jesus came and lived and died because God knows that we don't get it all right. And God is not like your friend who just finds out that you don't get it all right and they decide that they're too cool for you because you got a messed up life. God knows that we have messed up lives and God knows that we're not all that we could be and we're not as we should be. And God, I love you still. I love you so much, I sent my own son. And so rather than letting the reality that we don't have it all together and we don't get everything right drive us away from God. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to take the reality that we're imperfect and push us away from God. Really what happens is Jesus invites us and look, I came for you knowing that you weren't perfect. Jesus is like, I never thought you were going to be. I'm going to make you perfect by my spirit. But Jesus isn't like, oh, I didn't realize you were so messed up. He's like, no, no, I chose you. I, I picked you. Knowing you're a train wreck. And so don't let a message like this where you're saying, okay, so I'm not worshiping the true God and I'm worshiping the true God in a false way or now my life shows that I take God's name in vain. Don't let it drive you away from Jesus. Jesus is inviting you in to say, look, I wanted to show you what's going on here so that I can show you what I'm working on in your heart. And see, God wants our awareness of our need for him to draw us in, not to push us away. And I think for many of us, what happens is, is we realize that we're not all that we could be. And what we do is we actually let it drive us away from the Lord. And really what that shows is that your understanding of God is based on your works, not based on his grace. A relationship based on work says, I messed up, I'm not accepted. But a relationship based on grace says, I messed up and God already accepted me. And my awareness that I messed up is part of God's grace at work in my own life. And one of the greatest things that God wants to do in your life and in my life is he wants to bring us into a relationship of grace that we realize it's not about our work, it's about his work. And it's about us going deeper into the work that he has already accomplished to the finished work of the cross. So yeah, you're messed up and so am I. But Jesus isn't. And Jesus, in coming and living the perfect life and dying on our behalf and conquering sin and death, is saying, look, I want you to go down deeper into what I've done. And as you go down deeper into it, I'm going to actually be fixing up your life too. See, don't let your sin drive you from your Savior. Let your sin drive you into His arms because... That's why he came in the
0: first place. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel took us through the idea of generational curses. While God holds each person responsible for their own actions, the sin of the parents so often becomes the sin of the children. We grow accustomed to how our parents live, and so often we reproduce their lives, But with the power and grace of Jesus, we don't have to live that life. Jesus has the power to break the habits of sin and lead us into something new.
1: Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus Real Radio at 360-256-4655
0: Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will take us through the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment says to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. God rested on the seventh day, not because he was tired, but because the first lesson humans needed to learn was that it is not by works that we are saved. We're called to live by faith, resting in the power of God. We can't save ourselves. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Refresh. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.